Welcome to The Perfect Storm, a bi-weekly podcast for business executives and cybersecurity professionals. Industry veterans Michael Markulek and Matthew Webster chat with guests about the latest cyber news, threats, and trends, and how all of it impacts their businesses. Harbor Technology Group is a cybersecurity consulting firm that offers advisory services to the SMB. Harbor believes by taking a proactive rather than reactive approach to cybersecurity, business leaders can develop a cybersecurity program that will address external requirements, exceed client expectations, and ultimately take their organization to the next level. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another version of Harbor Technology Group's The Perfect Storm podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. And I'm excited to have William Compton, who's the CIO of Integra Life Sciences, uh, join me today. We're going to talk a little bit about Integra, um, what they're doing uh, business-wise, how they've been uh, working through the pandemic, um, and look at kind of what William is thinking of the future. William, thanks for joining us. Hey, Matt, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I really appreciate your time and coming in. Um, as has been a theme for a couple of people that have joined me for the podcast, excited to have a beer with you afterwards. Sounds like a good know, idea. Every, everybody listen to this. That's it's like That Webster dude is like a full-blown alcoholic or a giant beer fan. Or, or it doesn't pay well. <laughs> One or the other. Um, so, William, uh, tell us a little bit about Integra, about Integra so uh, the listeners, if they're not familiar with the company. Sure. Uh, we're a about a $1.5 billion med tech and life sciences company uh, based here in Princeton. We've got uh, just about 5,000 employees globally, and we really work in two areas. Uh, One is a specialty surgical area, uh, mostly around neurosurgical uh, stuff, quote unquote, brains. We really do brain surgery, um, or really help other doctors do brain surgery. And then our other business is around regenerative medicine and wound care. Cool. been around for a long time. Uh, been around for about 30 years. Right. Um, and uh, I started and founded here in central New Jersey and uh, grown up over time, both through uh, organic growth as well as acquisition and right. uh, managed to grow to be a pretty big global player in both the segments where we operate. That's cool. And publicly traded firm and uh, 5,000 people, 10,000 people, yeah, 100,000 people. About, f- uh, about 5,000 people publicly right. traded. Yeah. So cool. uh, you can find us out there for sure. Yeah, right. I, I ask these questions like I don't know. They, they are Integra. We're lucky enough here at Harbor for Integra to be a client of ours. So um, appreciate the uh, partnership over the years, too. No, no, really appreciate your help. You know, we've managed to do some pretty exciting things in the cybersecurity space. Um, really grown it from, I think, when I got there about eight years ago from a department of one to uh, now more of what you might think of as a fully integrated Totally. Uh, information security program. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And you've uh, helped out on that, so thanks. Oh, really thanks. appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, there's no, no question that it's become a practice, even in the you know three or four years that we've been doing it together. Uh, much more of a practice than just an offshoot of IT. I mean, I think I think you'd probably agree that uh, cybersecurity is such now. I mean, you've been in technology long enough um, in all your different uh, roles that you've had that cybersecurity was like kind of the, the cousin or the, the stepbrother of just information technology in general, and now it's really become kind of an art of itself. Yeah, you know, you used to think of cybersecurity as what you kind of looped in at the end, so you, whether you're developing code or rolling out infrastructure, you would you would get finished and you would say, hey, let's get the security team to come in and make sure it's okay. Right. Um, you know, you might 
now think about the term you know designed in from the beginning so hopefully all of our project teams all of our operations teams are going hey how does this how does security help us do our job better or how does security make our application better versus um, kind of avoiding that or, or waiting to the end to kind of sp uh, special sauce it at the end. Right. We, we hope it's more of an integrated part of that for sure. That's right. It, 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 we talk about that with our clients a lot, whether they be a software development shop or just a, you know, a construction firm that pours concrete. Uh, when they think about how they're implementing any of their practices, onboarding a new HR vendor or you know, even thinking about a consulting firm that might help them with, you know, how to increase sales, they should be considering at some level, it should be in the back of their head at all times. Like, all right, what are they doing to protect our data? You know, do we want to in engage with these people? But thinking about security at, at the outset, not uh, not as an afterthought. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're thinking about it from a technology side, uh, regardless of the size of the business, you know, if you're the chief information officer or just the person in charge of who takes care of the systems at the company where you work. Right. Um, it used to be that the number one thing you thought about is are are our systems available and up and running uh, effectively and quickly. Um, now I think your first thought is is our data safe? That's right. And are those systems up and effective and running quickly enough? So <laughs> right. so if you it used to be about keeping the trains on the tracks. Now I think it's about keeping the trains on the tracks in a secure fashion. That's great. You know it's uh, and I know you know this. Um, and I've said it a few times on these podcasts, and all my clients know it. Like in InfoSec, we we care about the CIA, the confidentiality and integrity and availability of data and right. services. But really, what it comes down to me, it's really about protecting the data. Um, of course, if you're a manufacturer, you do need to be concerned about the equipment at some level because you have systems out there that are doing very highly specialized things, and you can't afford an assembly line to go down. But any more like a computer system. I really, all I care about is what's on it, not the system itself, right? Although that's right, and even manufacturers, almost doesn't matter what you're making. You know, we happen to make you know precision surgical equipment, but if you're manufacturing uh, construction equipment, automobile equipment, you have a design somewhere that's probably patented. It's probably protected right. under some intellectual property, and if someone were to be able to get to your data and including that design, you're you're losing some of what's really important to your company. And you know what? That's not that's not a compliance question. That is just you protecting the in you know the integrity of Integra's investments. That's right. You know, so many times we think about these things from a compliance point of view. Somebody mm -hmm. comes in and says, "Are we compliant with the regulation?" Uh, which is really important, and you want to get that right, of course. But more importantly, if your systems are down, you know, you're not running your business. You're not right. making more product. You're not serving your customers. You know, if your website's down, maybe they're not placing online orders. Um, I mean, that's not about being compliant. That's about operating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, think about it uh, with the Colonial Pipeline. We all know about it. I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, preconceived notions about what happened, like their pipeline was down. It actually turns out the pipeline was perfectly safe. That's right. Um, it was their billing system that was down. And you know what? They couldn't let the gasoline flow without being able to bill their, you know, their customers, which you can't blame them about. No, for sure. Um, and if, you, if they don't pay you, they're not really customers. No, that, that's right. That's right. They're just basically ripping you off, right? So, uh, what what are the challenges that you're seeing at, at Integra that you can share with us? Um, you know, pandemic, probably something along the, those lines. Yeah, you know, sure. We had a like everyone else. It's been a crazy kind of 16 months. I'm happy to report that. You know, as a business, we fared okay through that with, um, obviously. Congratulations. Thank you. I mean, obviously a significant dip in uh, 2020 um, where, where things were really 
uh, you know, not normal on so many levels. You know, working right. not room, as but, many procedures happening in hospitals. Just that, well, that's right. Uh, that, right. Less procedure count drove less business. Um, yeah. People working remotely. You know, a great shout out to all of our manufacturing and distribution teams who continued to go to the office every day and continued to make products. Right. So we, a lot of times we spend we think about people who are working remotely. You know, big parts of our economy continued to go to the office. Sure. Uh, or the plant every day, and uh, probably two thirds of Integra's employees fit that bill. So shout out to those folks, and um, but really turning our business around for 21, trying to get back to a, a growth trajectory, and make sure that we're out there doing the things that our surgeons need to serve the patients that they treat. That's great. That's great. So what, as you get back to normal and you see sales, hopefully well, you don't have to get into it, but sales increasing, um, a little bit of normalcy built in are, are you back at um, are you back at uh, the office are you working remotely how'd you get through the remote workforce with the third of people that you know sure didn't you know, come back or yeah so uh, didn't leave the office yeah so our white-collar workforce um, as you might think of them to kind of group everybody in together in one uh, bucket let's say um, worked remotely pretty successfully for 16 months like everyone who's probably listened to this that like we've been over zoomed over teams <laughs> over Webex but but starting here in mid-July, we're heading back to the office, uh, at least here in the U.S., on a part-time basis. Cool. Um, kind of leaving it pretty flexible. We have a lot of things we want to make sure our employees are able to adapt back into the office a little more smoothly than uh, the, the cold turkey send them home right. that happened a couple marches ago. So we're getting there with a hybrid workforce in the summer and probably returning to some new type normal in the fall would be my guess. Uh, some balanced workforce. I mean, you, I. I will say this, having been in your offices, the new offices that you've moved into here in central New Jersey, uh, beautiful building, by the way. Thank you. Um, very open floor plan. It kind of sets up nicely for kind of this new world order, right? Where you can you can have the team come in and be a little bit more flexible about where they're sitting and all that stuff. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, we weren't really an eight to five at your desk um, type it on your typewriter kind of place anyway. Right. Uh, lots of collaboration. I hope you don't have typewriters. Uh, we don't have any typewriters. <laughs> um, although they're very secure, Matt. We'll right, that sure, away. that's perfect. Uh, right. um, encrypted typewriters. Encrypted typewriters. So we, you know, we had a lot of collaboration space, tons of conference rooms and, and open areas for teams to get together. And we really believe that uh, you know, teamwork is the way to get things done. And, sure. and rarely are you getting something done solely by yourself. So we were kind of built up for that type of collaboration, which becomes really tricky as soon as you put in a six-foot social distancing idea. Mm -hmm. But as those things with vaccinations are starting to, to kind of go by the wayside, we feel like getting people back together is really important. Uh, again, probably not five days a week, um, still to be worked out, but getting folks back together in a way that uh, helps them be more effective. Right. So the, that's great. And, I'm, and just like all companies out there, I think there's probably a level of, of geez, I don't want to go back. And boy, am I excited to go back. Um, that's probably true. You know, I've had a chance. Probably, to have, probably true for you. Uh, true for me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, full disclosure, right? I, um, I've had a uh, because my family's been able to stay pretty healthy throughout the um, pandemic time. You know, it's been great to be home and not commuting and not traveling. Sure. Um, you know, my, I'm, I'm running more. I'm eating better. There's things like that that are great. At the same time, um, I miss my colleagues. Uh, right. I've had a chance to have a couple of face-to-face -face meetings in the last few months, and it really is great to see people. Um, and you know the informal communication with body language and things like that is just more effective than you know totally. one more zoom call totally sure. totally so going backwards in time and just so we can we can kind of all relate to it excuse me when when you know let's say the ripcord was pulled 
and New Jersey was uh, shut down at some level and you guys decided to stay home uh, both maybe even prior to Murphy's shutdown so what did what were the biggest things like the biggest changes that you had to uh, to deal with amongst the team like you know all of a sudden all hands on deck on making sure technology was kind of set and that systems were available that type of stuff right so so the good news was our infrastructure was pretty robust coming into that situation mm -hmm. we um, I'll give my uh, technical infrastructure teams a, a a lot of credit for making sure we were fairly current, uh, pretty robust, and about a third of our workforce was remote anyway in the form of our field sales team. So, sure. um, so we were pretty well built out for virtual working. We already spent a lot of time was on the um, the softer side of the technology, if you will, how to not schedule back-to-back -back meetings, remembering to take right. a break and not put eight one-hour meetings back-to-back -back from eight to five. Um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, fatigue and, and how do we uh, balance uh, the work day and make sure you get a break and stand up from right, your desk and things right. like that. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm 100, I don't want to take too much credit for that. I'm 100% sure we violated all those rules we tried to put in place. Of course. But at least we got them on the table and talked about it and tried to encourage people right. to do that. Right. Um, and I think we, we probably did it as well as would be expected. So it was an easier transition than we thought. That's kind of step number one. Step number two, you had to, for all of us, I think, increase your level of patience. You know, that you were going to hear kids in the background, dogs, cars. It was kind of, kind of fun in some ways, though, it, on, on a lot of those calls. Absolutely. Like, in, yeah. a, in a lot of ways, uh, you're already friendly with these people. You spend a lot of time together in the office. Now you just had a glimpse into the right. into the world behind <laughs> right. behind the camera. Right, right. Um, so, so it was weird in the beginning, but if you applied the patience and, sure. uh, and flexibility that was required, I think it kind of worked out. Well, and, you know, if kind of riffing on what you said a little bit, if your your infrastructure team, your security team, and your tech teams had all done the right things, they had done the right thing. So the technology wasn't the problem, or the challenge, I shouldn't right. say. Uh, it was just everybody getting used to that that type of uh, working environment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'd say everybody who's listening to this has said, you know, you're on mute about 75,000 times. I, I mean, it's um, hilarious. It right? is hilarious. I, uh, I was on a call with somebody and they had a coffee mug that said, you're on mute. That's I thought perfect. That was, um, yep. Yep. That's turns right. out I wasn't on mute, so it was even weirder to see the call. But <laughs> You're you like, that. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so I think those things were really not about the tech, but about using the tech and changing our style to work with right. that. You know, one thing, I, and we'll, we'll kind of end this line of conversation in a second. One thing I did notice is, you know, we the kind of the standard meeting length is an hour, right? Right. That we're all used to. And, you know, whether that be walk down the hallway for an hour meeting or, you know, for me, get in the car and go see a client for an hour meeting. It seemed like there was like, uh, I, looking back on it, knowing now that a half an hour meeting, are, they're super productive. Like all my meetings now, I schedule half an hour meetings and it seems like you just get right at it. There's no fooling around on the Zoom calls anymore. Everybody just gets at the meeting. And I'm wondering if the, the day of the hour meeting of in-person meeting where there's 10 minutes of kind of malarkey on both sides of it. I, it just makes me wonder. I'm not I'm not a productivity guy per se, but it just makes me wonder what it's going to look like. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, the half hour meeting, if you don't slam them together back to back to back, means that if you finish That's in 30 right. minutes, you now have some time to either walk back to your desk or write that email that you just said you would write during the last exactly. time you were with someone or check your calendar and start to think about what the next conversation is going to be instead of kind of slamming them all together. I think there's a ton of uh, thoughtfulness that can happen there. Right. I think the, the 
the negative side of that or, or being remote is think of all the things we solved in between meetings when you know we would talk about a topic we talk about our security strategy and then as we walk down the hall we make a decision That's to true. say hey can we talk about uh I think yeah. we should have a conversation about identity and access management. Say, like, great, uh, why do you think that's important? And during that five-minute walk, we even flesh that out a little bit. Right. And, and maybe I say, hey, great, call Matt Cerny on that. And he says, perfect. And so instead, now we set up a 15-minute meeting so we can have a conversation to get to that same That's answer. right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, I didn't even think about that. And that's a little bit of me not being in the corporate environment. Yeah, yeah. But that, that makes total sense. Actually. Yeah, perfect. So, so I think what happens now is we have more meetings that are shorter um, and they're for things that we might have gotten done in the white space, if you will, at the coffee maker, on the way to the right. cafeteria. Uh, but now, since we're not in the same physical location, we, we make a little event and calendar and then chase that down that way. Well, you know, it'll be that the productivity studies, whoever the, the, the nerds are that do that. Um, I'm a cybersecurity nerd, so no That's offense. Fair enough. No, no, no yeah. offense intended. Um, they're going to have a, a field day with the productivity numbers, yeah, the, like the changes, true. the ebbs and flows, et cetera. So just changing the, the conversation a bit. Um, so what do you see in, in your world as the biggest challenge, cybersecurity challenge going forward? Gosh, you know, there's a couple that leap to mind. And, and one, I'd say it's not new at all. It's still phishing. It's still email coming to people's mailboxes that looks legitimate. It looks like it's from yeah. a legitimate sender, you know, with a spoof to count. Nigerian Prince. It's still out there. Yeah. Um, still got that money he's trying to give away. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. I can't believe he hadn't found anybody. I keep clicking, but they never <laughs> send it to me. Um, and I think that that's still, uh, you know, as we all get, you know, hundreds of emails a day, whether they're uh, news articles we subscribe to or messages that get sent. Um, so I still look at that as threat number one is how do you convince your uh, end users to pause for a split second before they double click on something. Um, and that that's probably security issue number one. I think that as we think about ransomware vectors and things, that's probably the thing we still yeah. have to worry. The thing I'd add to that that's different is we were really good at securing our buildings, right? If you came to the office, I've got all kinds of protection in the building. First of all, you have to badge your way in, you know, just yeah. starting with that. Then we went completely hybrid, so we changed some security features to make sure that we handled remote workers. And now I expect a lot of businesses are gonna be somewhere in between with the buildings open again, but people are also working remote in a hybrid type work environment. So I'd say from a security practitioner's point of view, now you get you don't get one or the other, you get both. Now you get, yeah, you get, Chocolate and vanilla. Chocolate and vanilla. Yeah. That's great. Way to put um, it. They're they're both good though. Um, so along those lines with the, the the email and we we I think email has become a little bit of a like a production line. Mm -hmm. People look at their emails and they're just you know they they can be inundated with what's in their inbox and all of a sudden they're just chugging through it. Not really. They're trying to do the right things, which is you know respond to people quickly and and mm -hmm. you know get to the bottom of their inbox. Um, but in doing so, they're they're not taking that that half a second or five seconds longer to to really think about what they're clicking on or interacting. Yeah, I think with. that's right. I think people feel um, compelled to reply and be responsive. I think mm -hmm. that's a, being a good corporate citizen, regardless sure. of the size of your company. You want to you want to be helpful to your colleagues, right? You want to reply and help right. answer questions, help row the boat, help row the boat. And I think yeah. that's that's great. And people are doing that. And then on top of that, the people who are sending. Uh, those messages are better. You know, we joked about the yeah. Niger Nigerian prince a few minutes ago. No one, I believe, really expected to get a suitcase full of money. So it's it was funny. You looked at that and you deleted it. But now when you get something from the IRS or the uh, or Microsoft or right. ADP, 
I mean, those are trusted. Uh, maybe they're not all liked, but they're trusted names <laughs> in, uh, in in the world. That you say, gosh, it, it's it's not a far cry for uh, the IRS to send me an email about my taxes. That's what right. they do. Right. Um, and so you can be a, a smart, well-informed user and think that's them reaching out to you in a modern, efficient kind of way, and it's not. So, so I think both the the number of threats is way up, and the quality of the of the not of the threat, but the quality of the approach. It's like they're smoother on the walk up, right. and therefore the, you know, the social engineering is even even better. Even better. Yeah, yeah. And I think we've. Um, I I don't know what the I don't know what the the human trait is that we we always always err on the side of trusting, which is actually a nice thing, right? right. I, I would hate for it to be the other way, right? That's to right. distrust yeah. from the at the outset, from the outset. But I think we in in the world of email, we need to move to the we distrust our inbox at some level. I know that sounds funky, um, but maybe if we take a, an approach like okay, that is not all warm and fuzzy inside of our inbox, just like it's not warm and fuzzy inside of Facebook. Um, That's right. I think yeah. a, a little guarded skepticism exactly. goes a long way. Um, well spoken. You know, we, we well put, spoke, Mr. CIO. Uh, you know, it's big words. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do they still make Reader's Digest? Because maybe I'm reading <laughs> that. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, we, we put a lot of technology out there, uh, you know, some of it with your help, right? Anti-spoofing. Uh, sure. You know, we... We open URLs in the cloud first to scan them and make sure they're okay before we open them on the desktop. I mean, all the right uh, kind of preventative measures, all that happens after you click. So to your point, to be a little bit skeptical, to think mm -hmm. about um, when the postal service says your package is here, but you didn't order anything, then you right. probably shouldn't click on that. You know, right. It's a, exactly. Yeah. It, it, things aren't just arriving on your doorstep. That's don't, right. Don't click on it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So are these things that you talk about with the executive teams, I mean, security, of course, is a topic that you guys touch. It's on. a topic everywhere. You know, any chance um, I get to go be, a, uh, I'll go so far as call it evangelical, but go spread the message out a little right. bit more, whether it's my own corporate town halls or, or other meetings that are happening within the company. Um, we actually talk to our board of directors a couple of times a year on cybersecurity. And then even uh, within our executive team, we make sure it's a topic for our, what we call our executive committee right. uh, several times a year for sure. So I'm going to ask you a question and you can opt not to answer. So oftentimes when I, I do a lot of those presentations where I present to a board or to executive team, et cetera, and you know, it's all very, very serious conversation. We're talking about the threats they face and the risk to the business, all of those things, which you're, you're talking about too. But I tell you that there isn't a meeting that goes by that somebody doesn't say, Oh, I got this phone call, or oh, I got this email. Like personally, not not about the business, because this is where I think that the lines of of professional life and, and personal life are so blurred. Because we're seeing this on both sides of that equation now. Hundred percent. I mean, I think first of all, I think the days of work life balance are, are kind of oh, it's more like work life integration. You know, yeah, yeah. You're, you're the same human between eight and five that you are between five and eight. So, um, and your identity you don't really have different identities. You have a work persona and you have a home persona, but, um, but yeah, and it's, I think for people easier to understand uh, what happens to them at home. You know, if I get uh, some spam or a, a phishing attack at home, I understand that. And then I try to, to use that as a proxy for what might happen at work. Right. Um, and I think it, it's, it's easier for people to kind of feel like what it might be there. It, maybe some of the corporate attacks are, are um, harder to make tangible for people. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, because it's a little bit more disconnected. Yeah, yeah than, absolutely. Than if it's something they, they get from home. Right, a little, uh, a little further away, it feels yeah, like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and they also might think that, um, rightly or wrongly, that they have, you know, your InfoSec team looking out for them. And, you know, even though they're being trained, um, they're like, yes, I need to know this, but I, I do have, you know, Big Brother looking out for me a little right. bit. Exactly. And that's good that they, they have a trust in the InfoSec team. I think so. And then the other thing is um, at home, you don't have a trusted advisor to call. That's right. So when you're looking at your personal email, you're looking at that going, I wonder if that's good or not. I don't have a, a, a friend down the hall I can go see or someone I can pick up the phone Oh, dear call. God. Well, if you're related to me, you have like a, an uncle or a cousin to call. 100%, right? So, <laughs> and I think, by the way, that's why companies like yours exist, right? Right, is that that's for, right. Depending on the size of your business, you may or may not have. Yeah, a, you should see the bills I send my my family members. Uh, you can't add enough zeros to those. <laughs> right. I understand. You know, right. uh, family based technical support is really yeah, expensive. I, I, you're a CIO. You have information in your title. You're a tech person. You must get the same. Uh, same thing yeah. all the time. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, and I'm promise you, I'm not very good at that anymore. I try, no, but I'm not. No, not I'm not either. Be. Yeah. I'm like Lucy, but my daughters, Lucy or Tabitha, can figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway. The other thing I'd throw in there when people bring up a personal story and say, this happened to me at home, mm -hmm. um, whether it's coming from another executive or another board, the, the good thing to take away from there is that you're not having a crisis at work. If you're able to talk about somebody's personal email account, well, it's because you're not fighting the That's hard right. fight at, at the office, which is great. What I'd remind people is you should be talking information security a lot before you have a problem. That's right. You know, if you're if you're waiting to have a crisis to have a meeting on the topic, too late. You missed the, too late. You missed too the late. point. So, too late. Too um, late. So hopefully people are are talking enough about this that they have an idea what they would do in the event that something did go wrong. Absolutely, and that that really is the uh, one of the big salient points we're making to our clients right now is you need to. You know, we've talked to you for the last five years as, as Harbor has gone out and worked with our clients. Like, you need to put the plan in place. You need to, you know, understand where the data sits. You need to understand the protections that you're putting on top of it. But you need to test the plan if something were to go bad. Like, it's, you know, the reality is, is companies that spend a lot more money than even Integra on security have problems. Absolutely. So you have to be prepared. You have to be prepared. And, you know, you've helped us test our plan in the past. We try sure. to do that uh, at least once a year. And even though you know it's a test, there's some sweaty palms and some anxiety, and um, and you know we change the scenario just a little bit every year, so it's not a, a rote repeat of the test. Right. Um, but when it happens, I don't care how many people at the start of the day say this is just a test. Don't worry, we're going to have some mistakes. We'll learn from them. So you know it's quote unquote fake. You still are stuttering yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit, sweaty yeah, palms. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then when you debrief. It's really great to hear other people go, oh my gosh, I was so nervous during that. Did I do okay? Um, what, would I, what, what should I have really done if it was real? That's like, great. Those that's are the exactly questions you're the, supposed to be asking. That's exactly the intent of those, those exercises, right? right? Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it, I, I hope it doesn't get to the point of like you, when you do a fire drill and everybody leaves the building, it's more about just, you know, 10 minutes away from your desk. Um, I think they think people are taking, not that they don't take fire drills seriously because they do. Yeah. Um, but they take these these tabletop exercises or these these test exercises very seriously because it is an opportunity to to see how you would do in a, in a real world event. Uh, I think that's right. And if, if people do get lackadaisical about the test, and they are treating it as the you know high school fire drill. Mm -hmm. um, then you probably need to change up your test. That's right. You know, ch at least change the rules a little bit. Get some new people involved, and then uh, that might create just enough agitation to make you know next year's dry run a little more a little bit uh, more serious. A little yeah. more serious. 
Well, we've touched on a lot of things, uh, pandemic response, you know, tabletop testing, uh, the future of, uh, of ransomware and, and uh, social engineering. So uh, as we end every podcast, um, ask our guests to, to give us a little thoughts about great beach you like to go to, what you'd like to do there, maybe a beer, a burger, some, some treat of some sort. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I've listened to a couple of your earlier podcasts, so I was a little ready for this one because okay, cool. it, it took some thought. Because um, yeah. uh, especially after the last 16 months, travel's been uh, not <laughs> something many of us have done. Just dreaming about it. Just dreaming places. about it. And yeah. so uh, my family and I, for like the last 20 or 25 years, have been going up to uh, uh, Lake Huron in Ontario to a little town called Port Elgin, and uh, it's been a tradition since our kids were really little. A uh, few nights when the, we were there for a couple of weeks in the summer, almost every night we walked down to the harbor and there's uh, you know, tall masted sail sh- sailing boats in there and people were having a really good time walking around with their dogs. And there's the Harbor Light ice cream place and that's a, a, a warm the heart kind of experience for our family. It has Fantastic. been for 25 years. So we've missed it the last year um, and really looking forward to uh, getting some time there this summer. So. Um, when you ask me what's my favorite port, that's the one that's coming to so mind right Port now. Elgin? It's called Port Elgin. 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 And so um, Elgin Baylor played in the NBA. Okay. Uh, port Elgin is it's the name of the town. where you get ice cream. Um, it's where you get ice cream. My mother-in-law have been debating this for a long time. It's still Elgin Baylor, probably the uh, best <laughs> Laker to not win a title. Right. But, uh, um, but yeah, Port Elgin and uh, having some ice cream by the harbor is what I was thinking about on the way over. Fantastic. That's great. Well, I really appreciate your time, uh, all your thoughts. Um, Let's do it again. You got it, Matt. I really enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Harbor's innovative processes are based on industry standard frameworks that are tailored to meet the needs of small and medium-sized businesses. We would also like to thank Tom Marshall for the original music. Yes, that Tom Marshall from Fish fame. Harbor's portfolio of services is designed to meet the cybersecurity needs of small and medium enterprises. We offer a range of services from cyber risk advisory to VCSO consulting to meet specific security requirements without putting a strain on your technology budget. If you like what you heard here, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. We release new podcasts every other week and are available on Spotify and Apple. You can reach us through our website if you have additional questions or suggest a great harbor we should mention on our next show.